Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the Laval Rockets season has come to an end. The Memorial Cup is right around the corner, and did Kent Hughes fleece Joe Sackick at the trade deadline? All that and more inside today's show. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 638 of Locked On Canadians. Uh, every day in your feed on YouTube. Thank you so much for subscribing and following along. Please make us your first listen today every single day. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metla. I am currently very sad, and we will get to that and why in a moment. But I am joined, as always, by my fantastic co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba, who puts up with all manner of my nonsense Laura, how are you doing on what is all of a sudden a very, very hot Wednesday, at least here in Buffalo and in uh, Western New York anyways? It's really hot here too. I don't know if you're watching on YouTube. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but my hair is getting increasingly insane by the day. This is uh, the summer. It's humid. It doesn't feel like there's hockey to look forward to, but there's a ton of hockey to look forward to and like even Habs hockey to look forward to. Yes, the Memorial Cup is right around the corner, and we will get into that in our second segment as the OHL game winds down a little bit. We're waiting for a final score on that. Uh, but we're going to shift things to the actual last professional uh, wing of the Montreal Canadiens franchise. Uh, the Laval Rocket lost 4 nothing in Game 7 against the Springfield Thunderbirds tonight. And I would be lying to you if I said I'm not extremely disappointed. It... it it was one of those games that you can tell that the playoffs eventually their legs are burnt out. They're tired. This team's been injured and beat up. And eventually that gas tank just kind of runs out a little bit there. They're missing Jesse alone and Nate Schnarr wasn't playing. Matthias Norlinder still out with a concussion. They didn't play Joshua. They went with 11 and seven again because it had worked in the playoffs and having gotten this far, it's very hard for me to fully question the coaches, a choice made. Um, wow. The choices a coach made, let me get that phrase right there. Uh, and it, it's tough. It sucks. It wasn't a nasty game. Once the score got out of hand, Springfield just kind of sat back. It just wasn't the Rockets night. And if you needed any reason to know why it wasn't the Rockets night, they were shut out by Charlie Lindgren and the game winning goal was scored by Matthew Pekka. That, that that about sums up how things went for them. They had their looks, and Charlie Lindgren was absolutely dialed in. And it's disappointing, but when you look at the full grand scheme of things here, the Rocket were 38 seconds from being eliminated a month ago and were a game away from the Calder Cup Finals. And waiting for them is the Chicago Wolves. Hello, Sarah. And Chicago, if we thought Springfield and everyone else was tough, Chicago's a different breed, and I don't know what the Calder Cup final would have brought, uh, but I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't want to see that at all. You know, it's 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 a tough pill to swallow, but all good things come to an end, and there's a ton of positives for me to take out of this. And I know, Laura, you watched uh, bits and pieces of the game tonight as well. I just wanted to get your thoughts kind of because you've been watching uh, as the playoffs have gone as well. 
So I think tonight, if we're talking about tonight in particular, they lost the game in the first half and then they did everything they could to try and win it in the second half, but they couldn't get pucks past Charlie Lindgren. A lot of them were, you know, misconnected passes. A lot of them, they went a bit wider than net. There were some bad luck moments, but they really could not afford to go down into a hole because Caden Primo deserved better. He played really well. He He's played really well all through the playoffs and he's kept them in a lot of games that they didn't really deserve to be in. He's brought them this far. So it, I know we're going to talk about positives, but I think like if we want to talk about the story of tonight's game in particular, it was over very quickly and then they just could not mount a comeback. And I think they have in the past. And I think that's kind of what, what, it doesn't hurt. It's like the disappointing, that's the disappointing thing is that I think, like you said, they've run out of gas. It all caught up to them. They're beat up. They're banged up. They're in it over their heads a little bit. So what's worked for them in the past didn't work for them this time. And again, I, you're much more familiar with the rocket. So I wouldn't necessarily question the decisions myself, but you know, they're, they're like, I think that the, the, the rocket could have pulled it out if they had a better first, like I'd say 25 minutes of the game. And that's the thing is like, they, they held it close in the first and then they just, the second period, it was just a slaughter, even with the, you know, long change and everything, they couldn't get anything going. And that's, and that's when you kind of tell either they got to get one here against the grain and kind of take the wind out of the sails or it's over. And the minute the second goal went in, I'm like, okay, they've done this before. The third one was, that's where I went, it's that's game there. Yeah, they have the entire third period, and they tried, and damn did they try. But, you know, almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. It doesn't count in the game of hockey, unfortunately. And like you said, Caden Primo was incredible in the playoffs. And I hope this kind of gets him back on the track in a lot of fans' minds here is that, he was, he is the reason they got this far. And I don't think anyone can dispute that. Yes, the Rocket played well and got opportunistic scoring, but Caden Primo in some of these games was turning away 30 plus shots every single night and making it look easy. He even, you know, letting in three goals tonight, he was still the only reason that wasn't like a six nothing game after long. He was phenomenal all playoff. And for some of the younger guys too, guys like Rafael Harvey Pinard really came on strong when it counted the most. And I think that's really important too. And I kind of forgot this as I was kind of sad tweeting through my feelings. This team won a division title last year. They won the Canadian division title last year. They came out of a very strong North division this year, got to the conference finals and are getting defensive reinforcements, likely some offensive reinforcements next year. We're going to see who's coming back. They're another year older, another year wiser, et cetera. The building blocks are all there to continue this forward progress. Uh, I think JF Hool had, did a very good job, especially with how COVID hammered this team for a lot of the season and made things uneven. It, it sucks that it's over, though, because this is the most fun I've had, and I'm glad a lot of people got to one experience plus Bell uh, this season and in the playoffs. It's It was rocking. It was loud. And damn if it wasn't fun. And just, you know... It sucks. That's the end of, you know, professional Habs hockey this season. The Lions are out in the ECHL. The Rocket are done here. So it was a lot of fun. And thank you, everyone who stuck with us through our Rocket coverage in the playoffs. For everyone who followed my stuff on Twitter and EOTP, uh, that means a lot to me. It, it, it was something special. But 
all things come to an end. And now we shift our focus to the other branch of hockey. The, the uh, CHL, the Memorial Cup, is right around the corner. I believe, or you said that started Monday, the 20th. And there will be three Habs prospects playing in that tournament. We're going to go over all that, what we can expect and everything else. And that's all coming up in our next segment. But first, we got to talk to you about one of our show sponsors. You know them. We love them. You love them too. They are Built Bar. And there is a brand new flavor because Built Bar is always coming up with new flavors. It is Mud Pie. And you're not sure what Mud Pie tastes like? Well, if you're a chocolate fan, you're going to want to sit down for this. It's rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. And it's got all the protein and all the macros that you want in your protein bar that you've come to expect from Built Bar. And that's 100% real chocolate on there. So we're going to want you to go to Built.com and try out the new Mud Pie Built Bar or the Built Puffs, which are also incredible if you love protein-infused marshmallow. They're great for a snack in the morning, after your workout, when you need that fuel in the middle of the day. And if you go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get 15% off your order. Just use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right. We are going to continue to stay right in my wheelhouse here a little bit. The Memorial Cup, which is actually one of my favorite things. It's not something I really got into until I uh, obviously got into prospect writing a little bit, covering the AHL and seeing who is next. And as of tonight, there are three Canadians prospects that are in the Memorial Cup. We have Arbor Jackye and Jan Mishak of the Hamilton Bulldogs, who secured the OHL title tonight with a 6-1 win over the Windsor Spitfires. And out west, Caden Gooley and the Edmonton Oil Kings won the WHL title over the Seattle Thunderbirds. I don't know what it is with our you know prospects and Thunderbird teams and championship games, but that's me projecting a little bit. It's an exciting time because you have Caden Gooley, who is probably one of the most well-regarded prospects in the Canadian system at any level, counting the AHL, NCAA, etc. And then you have two guys who... Some people might not be 100% sure on Arbor Jack guy and Jan Meshack. I really like Jan Meshack. We've had Russ Cohen from Lockdown Flyers on the show a lot. He likes Meshack a lot. And then you have Arbor Jack guy who has endeared himself to the fan base by being just a total Sheldon Surrey type throwback. He's mean. He fights. He loves to throw physical hits sometimes when he shouldn't. He scores really nice goals from time to time. They call him the sheriff for a reason. Laura, the Habs, you know, actual season might be over, but we keep getting treated to more and more extensions of that by proxy, I guess. I think so. And I want to say something about Caden Gooley because he's the one that I'm most excited about. And I think if you consider not the players who've already made the team and not whoever they pick first overall... He, for me, is the top prospect currently in the system that hasn't made the team yet, right? And as Russ Cohen, we talked to Russ Cohen, and and, and this was uh, in our episode this week, he said he's for sure a lock to be the number two defenseman and could even challenge to be the number one. I think one of the things that I, I want to point out about Caden Gooley is that you weren't the only one. I wasn't the only one. A lot of the, you know, the Habs fans that we've spoken to aren't the only ones. When that pick was made, we we're like, all right, great, but eh, you know, and then, you know, increasingly we started warming to him. I, I think it's just that we weren't as excited 
as the results turned out to be, right? Like he has proven himself because we thought, all right, he's a defensive defenseman. And I think in this market, we're kind of allergic to that term a little bit, a little bit, um, because we've seen that the NHL is moving in a different direction. So we want to see defensemen play more with their brains and a little bit less with their bodies or as much as they used to with their bodies, but a little bit more with their brains, right? And I think that that's something that that in the last two seasons, Caden Gooley, has proven that he can do. He makes so many smart decisions on the ice that to me, that's not what I expected from the pick back then. And that's something that, you know, the the Canadians have had picks like this that have turned out to be better than they seemed in their draft year. And I'm just so excited for this guy. I'm so excited for his development. And I'm also really glad about what they did with him, right? Because at the beginning of the season, people were like, well, there's no Shea Weber. Let's rush this guy. I'm so glad that didn't happen because he has had a chance to mature his game and turn it into something that we want to see. And so next week we have one person who gets a chance to watch him very regularly to be to to come on and talk about not just the Memorial Cup and the oil Kings oil kings but particularly Caden Gooley and then we're going to talk to somebody else hopefully the following week but potentially next week as well about Caden Gooley so I'm so excited to talk about him and now I feel like I've monopolized all this time talking about Caden Gooley and there's two more prospects that we want to talk about um I think Jan Mishak is kind of one of your pet favorites Scott yes but also I'm going to monopolize some of this time to talk about Caden Gooley too because I well I the thing about Gooley was when he was picked, there were other players on that board that I really liked. Uh, Maverick Bork, Hendricks LaPierre, and some other names that were higher octane because at that time I looked at the Canadians and went, they need offensive pieces. And they still do need offensive pieces. But later in that draft, they you know grabbed some pieces here and there that are still in the NCAA ranks and going through that. But I look at this and I go, he's turned into such a well oiled machine on the ice there he covers his space so well he steps up for big hits a lot but he doesn't do so at the expense of taking himself out of position if he does if he judges the play and he doesn't think it's worth it he's just going to shut you down with a stick check and ride you off into the boards he's not going to step up and hit you the offense is never going to be a big thing that was never what Caden Gooley's game was about but the way he reads plays and he's going to need an adjustment to the professional level that's how things work it's so it's refreshing almost it's not high risk it's not high reward it's just smart he's a very smart player and i think that's really important is that the way he reads and takes care of things is is what you want in a prof- it's very jordan harris like it it's almost monotonous and the easy makes simple plays look and that's a good thing and yes i do love jan mishak a lot uh, I got to watch him a little bit with the Rocket where he kind of struggled with the AHL game for a little bit, but he should be there next season, uh, barring him having a breakout and making the Canadians, which stranger things have happened. But I think he's a really good replacement for some of the vets that are likely to leave in this offseason here. And it's going to be a good uh, chance for JF Hool to get some of these young guys in the lineup here. And as for Arbor Jack, I, I have one big concern with him. I think he's matured. In terms of the way he reads and plays the game, he's nasty. He's professionally nasty. Like if he wasn't doing hockey, he'd be a nightclub bouncer just beating up fools because that's what he does. And I know a lot of people were like, I hope, you know, maybe Hamilton will lose and they can get Jack Eye into the lineup against Springfield and let him go. My biggest concern is, and we saw this with Jared Tenorti, is that he they thought 
They had to fight all the time to keep a lineup place. And here's the thing is, if you want to fight, that's fine. It's not my cup of tea. But if you have value beyond that in your game, and I think Jack Eye does, he's aggressive defensively and he makes mistakes. He's young. He's going to. But I worry about him shoehorning himself into becoming some kind of enforcer that the team doesn't need him to be. He has offensive talent. He's shown that time and time again. And he's a pretty solid defenseman. He has some, you know, wrinkles that he has to iron out at the professional level. But I do worry that he's going to go the wrong way here the minute that he can just throw the gloves off and anyone challenges him because he's always willing to go for a scrap. And sometimes you just got to say no. And I know that you love to fight people, but sometimes just turn the other cheek, man, and let him go. Let him get mad and play your game. You got to learn that at the professional level very quickly or everyone's going to be under your skin all the time. Yeah, I think the important thing to remember, too, is that, like, I feel like a, a league like the like the CHL, for example, or the um, AHL is where you see things a lot more. Like, in the NHL, the longer we've watched it, the fewer fights you see. But it doesn't mean that you can't play tough. It doesn't mean that there's no room for your toughness. It doesn't mean you can't be bruising if you don't fight. You can be really hard to play against. And not have to drop the gloves all the time, right? You can get in people's faces. You can you you can really make life hard for some of the skill players on the ice without having to drop gloves. And I think that that's what he has to kind of do. Because, and I know, you know, some people like fighting. For me, it's it, I used to love fighting. I don't anymore for very many reasons, including, you know, brain trauma that happens. I've kind of learned to live without it. And I think he kind of has to learn to live without it as well. Uh, just because I think that, like you said, like he could be effective against opponents if he if he plays smarter. But playing smart doesn't mean you, you aren't physical. It doesn't mean you aren't tough. It doesn't mean you aren't bruising. And, and I think Joel Edmondson, I'm not saying that Arbor Jack, I will become Joel Edmondson. But look at Edmondson. He's about as nasty as they can come. But he picks his spots. Whereas someone like Ben Sherratt sometimes tends to, you know, just kind of lose it and go. And it is a detriment to his game. Edmondson kind of waits and then then he exacts his revenge there. Um, we'll obviously do our best to keep everyone updated as the Memorial Cup goes on. Uh, we're hoping to see any one of these prospects lift that trophy. We'll see what it is. And it's exciting. We're getting closer and closer to draft day. Yes, the Rocket season's over. Yes, the Habs season is over. The Lions season is over. Most of the other teams are eliminated. There's still good news on the horizon. Draft is less than a month away. But speaking of the Habs, and I'm going to tie this into the Canadians because I'm going to steal this from the Leafs, Arturi Lekkinen scored a five-on-three power play goal in the current uh, Colorado-Tampa Bay game that's going on while we record this. Did you know that Kent Hughes might have fleeced Joe Sackick at the trade deadline? We're going to get into that in an article from Pierre Lebrun all coming up next. All right, so I saved this for last because it has two main components I wanted to talk about here. Us loving Arturi Lekkonen and a rookie GM finessing one of the most well-regarded GMs in the NHL right now. Uh, Pierre Lebrun, and I believe this was in The Athletic. Am I correct, Laura? Yeah, um, it, it was in The Athletic, and I do encourage people to read it because when I read it, I read it twice because I had so many feelings from it. The, the story goes is that as the trade deadline... Uh, ramped up is that Joe Sackick was continually asking Kent Hughes for Arturi Lekkonen and he only wanted to offer a second round pick. 
And Kent Hughes kept saying, nope, not enough. I'm going to hold on to him then. He's important. The coaching room, and this is the key point, is the coaching room loved Arturi Lekkanen. Not just the team, the coaches. And that goes along with everything that we on this show have known about Arturi Lekkanen, is that he's a team player. He's a good soldier. He does everything you ask of him and then some. And even if he's underappreciated, he is that guy. And Kent Hughes just kept holding, you know, kept, He's, he's holding our little Finnish child, who's now an adult, close, saying, nope, not enough. And then Hughes decided to start counter-offering things to Joe Sackick <laughs> in that originally the trade was going to be, I believe it was Justin Barron and one-for-one one for Arturi Lekkanen is what Joe Sackick wanted. Let me correct myself. And apparently the initial name that Kent Hughes asked for made Joe Sackick go, absolutely not. And that leaves me with... The thought it was either Bowen Byram or Alex Newhook that Kent Hughes wanted from that. And that, that, that's not in the report. That's just us speculating. Th- that's us so speculating. Yeah, yes. That's that us is, speculating. <laughs> that is my thought is why Joe Sackick immediately said no. And Bowen Byram would have been incredible. If Kent Hughes pulled that off, they would as someone in the eyes on the price like they'd be building his statue outside right now. <laughs> but they got down to the final, I believe it was like half an hour of the trade deadline. And Joe Sackick and Ken Hughes called him and said, how about a second round pick in Justin Barron? And eventually Joe Sackick went fine. Yes. <laughs> Kent Hughes played the long con and did what he was supposed to. He said he would hold on to Arturi Lekkanen unless he got a deal he wanted. And that's very clearly what he was going to do here. There's a chance that Arturi Lekkanen would still be a Montreal Canadian right now. If Joe Sackick hadn't finally just, you know, you know, acquiesced to what Kent Hughes wanted and we talked about how much Lekkanen meant to the Canadians. That's it, it's a really smart GMing move from Kent Hughes. He got an incredible deal from Florida for Ben Sherratt and took that and went, "Yup, that's perfect." Taking it and going. He did the same thing for Tyler Toffoli. He got offered the deal he wanted, and instead of potentially watching that dip in value of the players not playing well or they get hurt and it coming off the table, he took the those deals when they became available. And it just underscores what a smart trade deadline he had. Yes, I miss Arturi Lekkanen every single day. And watching him score big goals for Colorado warms my heart. But holy crap, is this impressive work from Ken Hughes. To go one-on-one <laughs> with Joe Sack. If Mark Bergevin were going one-on-one with Joe Sack, we'd be terrified. Like, he just incredible work. Like, I know that Justin Barron wasn't able to play a ton but building for the future and what he did there, just incredible work. And I know I'm talking a lot about here and gushing because I love little nerdy stuff like this. But, man, he finessed Joe Sackick. <laughs> Not many people can say that. I, you know, the, there's so many things in that article that I really loved. But another thing that I loved was um, how devastated the coaching staff was when Brett Kulak was traded. Now, I know a couple of our listeners aren't so convinced, but... I think Brett Kulak is that type of guy, just like Arturi Lekkanen, where he's not the superstar on the team. He's not the center on the team, but he does everything that you ask of him. You can play him with very many different people uh, and he will bring results. He's unassumingly good, right? And I think with Arturi Lekkanen, what we're seeing in the playoffs is that he's being put in positions where 
he can be the guy. He's not always going to be the guy for you. Like, you know, throughout an 82-game season, an entire playoff run. But he's so versatile that you could throw him on whatever line you want, right? And I think that's the thing is that the way that the coaching staff felt about these two players is so encouraging because it's not a situation. And we talk about this so much on this podcast. In fact, it's been a couple of months that we haven't. So let me just bring that up here. So your bottom six, you know, your bottom pairing defenseman, you can have replacement guys or you can have high quality guys and the teams that succeed are the ones that have the high quality guys in the bottom six it's not just about who your top three is it's not just about who your top six is it's not just about who your first line center is it's not just about having an andre vasilevsky in goal although today it doesn't look like he, he looks like someone else today don't uh, jinx it don't I'm, don't give the don't give tampa any any life because <laughs> any they're gonna edges. do the damn thing again and i don't want to watch it Right, they're going to do the damn thing. But if you look at the Canadian Stanley Cup run just last year, if you look at their third and fourth line, there were like players like Corey Perry on it. You know what I mean? Like your bottom six has to be top quality and your bottom defensive pairings have to be top quality as well. So the fact that the Canadians are heading in that direction and they appreciate the right things, to me, says a lot. Now, there is, you know, there, the, like the Canadians will find their next archery Lekkinen. I think that Brett Kulak might come back, but even if he doesn't, that defensive depth that they have right now, it might be lacking that Victor Hedman, Kale McCarr type number one, but it's got a great two to seven, right, in the future that we're looking at. We've got a lot of players that, you know, if they achieve their potential or even close to their potential, you could get a pretty good blue line out of it. But I think another thing that I wanted to talk about with that article was the way that Kent Hughes treated archery Lekkinen. That was an underrated part because there was only a few lines in LeBron's article. And again, we're not spoiling the whole thing. It's worth reading it. It's great. It's really well done. It's really well reported. Um, but and it's and it's a fun read, to be honest. Like I love those behind the scenes things. But one of the things that Arturi Lekinen said was that he figured that a trade would not be any of his business, right? But whereas Kent Hughes was keeping him, um, he, he was keeping him informed the whole time he did say that he was unlikely to trade him he didn't want to trade him but if some he got something that he couldn't say no to he would and that's exactly what happened but not only that like he, there's a point where he he lets Arturi Lekkinen know that he got traded and he says which team do you think you'd want to go to that has the best chance of winning the Stanley Cup and Arturi Lekkinen responds Colorado and so Ken Hughes is like well <laughs> good news uh that's where you're going so like I just this piece is just so good. It's so. Could you good. imagine definitely... like him asking that question? Like, where do you think you have the best chance of winning? He goes Colorado. And he goes, oh, sorry, sorry you're going. It's the Leafs. <laughs> you're going to the Rangers. Sorry, like oof. oof I mean, off. the Rangers made it pretty far. It was the Leafs that I would have been. Yeah, like, oh. but we hate Chris Kreider, so no credit for the Rangers whatsoever. So no, not at all. Uh, um, we still don't forgive Chris Kreider. It happened eight years ago, and eighty years from now, we're still going to be mad about it. But anyway, oh my that, God, that, piece... that happened eight years ago. Jesus. Yes. Anyways, time has no meaning. And speaking of time, we are going to wrap up the show here a little bit. Uh, tomorrow is our mailbag episode. Laura will be back for this one. If you want to send us mailbag questions at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. In the YouTube comments, don't be a jerk and we'll read your question out. Um, we do go through it to make sure we're not missing anything. If possible, we do miss one. We're very sorry. There are a lot of comments and there are a lot of videos every day and we are both working day jobs. We do our best to make sure we get everything. So please send us those mailbag questions. We will have so much more as we get ready for the weekend. We obviously have our WHL people coming on. I'm working at getting someone from Elite Prospects now that their draft guide is out to come on and talk about the upcoming draft, some QMJHL prospects, and so much more. 
And remember, if you want to follow the show, that is at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. Locked on Canadians on YouTube. If you are watching us, you can follow Laura at The Active Stick. Follow myself at Scott Matla. And when you're done checking us out, please check out Locked on NHL, where all our local experts have all the news and stuff that you need surrounding the NHL as they continue to march towards the Stanley Cup. Thank you all. We'll see you all next time.